You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, man? This is your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. I don't know we normally talk about comic books, but today we're going to talk comics, all right, but a comedian, that's right. I mean, homie was a retired weathercaster, but he is a comedian as well. He's a podcaster. He's killing the game. He got a dope special out on Tubi right now called Unassisted Living. Let me introduce this legend, the one, the only, Mr. Fritz Coleman, baby. Where How you doing? <laughs> Good to be here with you, Al. You do a great job, my friend. No, no, no. Brother, you're the man, brother. What's popping? How you feeling today? Everything is awesome. You know, I'm having a chance to come on here and tell you about my special that I'm very excited about and whatever else you want to talk about. I was oh. in TV for 40 years. You can't hurt me. Ask me anything. 40 years, Mike. Oh, we got to dive into that whole journey then. So, you know, let's take it back, you know, way back, you know, into those times. Talk about where you originally from and tell me what was the first thing in fandom that was your fandom that you ever fell in love with? That's a good question. Well, I, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The first thing I was a big fan of was R&B music because Philly was sort of a soft version of Motown for its music. You know, they had Gamble and Huff and the Philadelphia International Records. And so the first thing I was a big fan of was R&B music. The first thing I was a fan of on television was stand-up comedy. I love the comics on The Tonight okay. Show, on the all the talk shows. Wait a minute, Fritz. You're telling me that your parents let you stay up late at night to watch the monologue for, for these I didn't say they shows? let me. I said I, I, <laughs> I was able to commandeer the television late at night because they were older and they would be asleep by that time. So <laughs> I, I just... You know, and so I would, you know, Carson show and the Ed Sullivan show and the Merv Griffin show. And this is before cable specials. And you could only get your comics in little five minute doses. But I was a big mm -hmm. fan of stand up as I saw it on TV. And then when I, you know, Carson, Johnny Carson was a huge hero of mine. I mean, the guy was so effortless in his ability to make people laugh and so conversational. I thought he was brilliant. And I oh, thought, wait, 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 I got to ask you, wait a minute, because. This is you as a kid, like digging Johnny Carson. I mean, what what, what was it about that, that 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 made it so magnetic for you? I, I thought that his ability to sit there at that desk and just offhanded have a conversation with Ed or one of his guests and lay out a line that would convulse the audience, the five hundred people in his studio <laughs> there. I thought that was a great that was okay. a great bit of power. And That's then somebody gave me tickets to see George Carlin when I was a junior in high school. Get the hell out of here. He was, I he am was, jealous, Fritz. You saw George Carlin live. Yeah, when I was a kid. And I'll t let me tell Whoa. you about this experience. So uh, what, what city are you coming from? I'm, I'm an OG New Yorker from Brooklyn. All right. Well, just south of you in Philadelphia, they used to do these summer theaters called the Valley Forge Music Fair, which was this tent that looked like 
a Cirque du Soleil tent. It held like 3,000 people with a rotating stage. So every summer they would have these, and Carlin was performing at this. And I'd never seen a full stand-up set before. I mean, I saw these little snippets on TV for five minutes. Okay. So I went and saw this thing, and here's this guy. Wait, how old were you when you saw this? I, I was in a, whatever, I, I guess, you know, 16 or 17. I was a junior in high okay. school. Oh, wow. So okay. this guy stood up on stage, and I didn't know the magic behind stand-up. I didn't know that, you know, an hour, an hour and a half of stand-up requires a couple of years to get ready. You build it in little blocks and modular units, and you and you build out an hour and a half. But this guy got up on stage, and he had the ability to use great language, and he had the ability to make it seem like he never said these words before for an hour and a half. And this audience was on the floor. And I said, it was like, honest to God, it was like watching a TV evangelist for me. It was the, wow. it was the most power I'd ever seen somebody wield over an audience. And I said, it was like a religious experience for me. I said, Oh my God, it changed, <laughs> it changed my life. I never thought I could do it professionally. But it was like this, not because of George, because he saw the light, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, that changed my life. I never thought I could do it professionally, but he was always the, the guy that lit the pilot light in my soul that wow. got really addicted to stand-up. You know? Hey, yo, but I mean, someone like that can inspire you. Know I mean, that that's an ultimate legend. To tell you, Fritz, funnily enough, my parents, for some odd reason, you know, there's Puerto Rican parents on the island, son. For uh, some odd reason, they had a George Carlin stand-up record. So... I think I beat you listening to to you Colin age wise because at eight years old, if you will, I'm listening to Colin on the record when my parents went home because I would read the back. I was like, oh my God, he curses. In, in, <laughs> <laughs> and then I listened to this, I would crack. I, you know, thanks to George Carlin, he definitely put me on the journey to loving. Yeah. Your parents are Puerto Rican. Are they first generation Puerto Ricans in the United States? I'm the first generation, and actually, no, no, no. My brothers are the first generation because I'm the last one born in PR, but they brought me here as a newborn. But, My but I mean, that's a great gen. testimonial to how universal that guy was—that your parents connected with George Carlin. That—that's well, cool. yeah. that's, that's what he was. He was amazing. Yeah, and I loved reading that with the curses. Like I said, as a kid, I was like, "Ooh, he cursing!" <laughs> and I, I would only listen to it when they weren't there, and I even tried to put on my little brothers when they were bigger. At least somewhat. Hey, you want to hear something funny? <laughs> yeah. And then you know? Richard Pryor came along, and the doors blew off. You know. Holy yeah. shit! I, I, absolutely. But I know. But I think the, 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 again, everyone is skilled so differently. I mean, yeah. Pryor is a storyteller. You know, yeah. he, with, with an amazing life. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but calling was like so political in his shit that he he was yeah. making your yeah. mind through humor, you know. Yeah, everybody's so different, and that, that's what I dug. So all right, so so I, I gotta understand so here. So here you are, you're a fan of comedy, you're growing up and gearing towards comedy, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing you became a weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I gotta tell happened? you that story. That's a that's an that's an interesting story, and incidentally, a real weatherman like real meteorologists hate this story. But it's a true story. <laughs> so I came out here, Woo! out here to LA, where I am now, in 1980 to do stand-up. Okay. And and I was working the clubs and working at the comedy store in Hollywood. And in 1982, I was doing a show at the comedy store on Sunset Strip, and in the audience that night, with a friend of mine who worked at NBC, was the news director at Channel Four and his wife. My friend had brought them to see me perform. 
And I talked on stage about getting my start in broadcasting in the Navy. I worked for Armed Forces Television. And in Armed Forces Television, they- Thank you for your service, brother. Uh, thank you. It was easy. I didn't go to Vietnam. I went to Europe. So I had- <laughs> I went to Europe. And the most dangerous thing I ever did was drive with a drunk Greek cab driver. There was no guns involved in anything I did in the service. Do you know how dangerous that is? You know, those heavy chests, you know, the, the, <laughs> you know, you know or the gold chains. It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. But anyway, I, so I, I did the sh show and I talked on stage about being forced to do the weather in the Navy and not knowing anything about it. Went through, it was like a 15, 20 minute set. After the show's over, my friend brings his boss and his boss's wife up to meet me. And his boss says to me, this is an odd, this is, a, you got to remember, this is LA, remember. Okay. And, <laughs> and the boss says to me, this is an odd question, but do you have any desire to come to Channel 4 and do some vacation, fill in weather for me. I have a main weather guy that hasn't had a vacation in a year. And, you know, I was making $25 a night at the comedy store. Oh, you were like, hell yeah. Yo. I said, holy shit, when do you want me to start? And can I please carry your wife to the car? I can't believe this guy's offering me a job. Like, yo, so he, I'll carry you you and your wife to the exactly, car. Exactly, exactly. So he said, well, first you have to audition. So I auditioned. I got the job, so I did vacation relief for two years, and then the guy that had the main weather job during my time left, and I became the main weather guy, and I retired two years ago, a month what? before my 40th anniversary. So what? I, mean, I had the greatest stroke of luck. I didn't yeah. set out to be a weatherman, but it was L.A., and I said, you know, to be on TV in L.A. when you're trying to get famous can't be all that bad. So I, I did the weather and I was still doing two or three shows a week, even when I was doing the weather. So what? it was, uh, I, I was one of the luckiest guys in show business without question. Yo, bro. I like, you got me floored right now. It was like perfect timing, right place. No, that's right exactly time, what it Perfect was. opportunity. My God, bro. That's I exactly mean, the perfect example of what that is. Mm -hmm. Dude, and you turn that to almost a 40 year career yeah. and still doing what you love. You're right, doing it now. I had eight appearances whoa. on the Tonight Show. I I opened for wait, Ray wait, Trump. wait a minute. Whoa, 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 mm -hmm. whoa! You hit the Tonight Show. Okay, mm -hmm. you were a kid watching this. So, what was that like when you? It was unbelievable. And with whom? Who was the host at the time? Well, I was on with Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, Gary. You Shepard. got to meet your hero. Yes, I did. And, and sometimes it's very scary to meet your hero because Carson, and you know this, being a fan of comedy was not the warmest guy one-on-one. -on -one. From what I understand, He yeah. was great on television, but he was very socially uncomfortable, you know, like having eye contact with you. And, and I hate never, thing, bro. I, 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 went I, I, was I, I would sit on you if you don't look at me in the eye when I talk to you. I don't yes, like that. Seriously, no, it, it, it was very odd. But it, uh, listen, it was the experience of being on that show, yeah. which is, you know, for a, a, a starting comedian back in those days, it's the so, single greatest experience you can have. My brother, that's insane. So how old were you when you when you hit that plateau of you know meeting your hero? And at the end of the day, how did you really feel like you know, after the experience? Did he converse with you or or was just your set and, and you're done? You got to see no, him I, that I, old I, I was not one of those guys who fortunately got invited over to the couch because uh, my appearance was with Barry Manilow and all these women were Barry there to Manilow. see Barry Manilow. And <laughs> and and when that when Barry Manilow wasn't on her talking, all these house frows in the audience are just out there chatting amongst themselves. They weren't even paying attention to my set. So oh, you shit. know, I That's survived nice. it. But uh, but anyway, it, it it's 
you know, it's this white hot moment. The, the lights are bright. Six minutes is a flash in time. And you don't even know what you feel about it till a couple of weeks later. But it's for a young comedian back in those days when there wasn't so much TV and there weren't specials on television. There wasn't yeah. Deaf Comedy Jam. There wasn't Half oh, Hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing. There was nothing. I and get you, it. I get and, it. And, and you couldn't do longer form. And so that you had to do that to succeed. So it was huge. Yeah, well, unless you couldn't do longer form unless you were big, unless you were a George and no, Eddie, that's exactly a Richard. Exactly. You know I mean? you, a Freddie Prince, even exactly. I mean, you you had to be on some crazy level yeah. to, to get that 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 solo that would actually even be promoted at the time. Hundred percent. Yeah. So how did you navigate the journey, you know, as the comedian back then and, and, and doing the weather? I mean, how, how wild was that? How did you even make the well, I did, I did the five family? What? Yes. <laughs> Which truthfully is why it was very easy for me to take the job because I had two kids. Okay. And I, I was a beginning comedian. I was what they call a feature comic. The headliner was the guy that maybe had a national reputation, had a couple of Carson sets. And he could dictate his own terms at comedy clubs all around America. But I was a middle act. I was I came on after the, you know, the opening act, the MC, and I did 20 minutes and I could make five or six hundred dollars a week. Well, when you okay. do six nights at six hundred dollars and often have to pay for your own transportation, that's no oh, way to hell no. it's hell no way no. to take care of kids. So this great weather job presented itself when I said I'll have stability for my children. I gotta do this. And I was able to do it, but still, I did the five, six, and eleven <laughs> o'clock news. I was able to go down to the improv or the comedy store and do a set and come back and do the eleven o'clock news. Yeah, okay. I gotta ask, what was that learning curve like? Because you're a comedian, all of a sudden being tossed onto live television to do weather casting. I mean, what was that learning curve like? <laughs> well, th there was a learning curve, but you have to remember in LA, there's no real weather, at least until climate change. <laughs> you know, from April to October, the forecast. It's hot. <laughs> morning clouds and fog, hazy afternoon sun, high in the low to mid seventies. What was the Done. question? Your whole job is to think up different ways to say the same words every single day for six months. So you know, <laughs> it, and back in those days, there wasn't any climate change. They didn't take the weather as seriously. Now you know it's a big deal. People are worried about our future. So now you got to have the little AMS seal, the American Meteorological Society seal. You got to have okay. the degree and everything. I I couldn't get the job now if I had to. But but it, it was yeah, just they, they wanted me just to have fun and be a personality on the news and throw in a right. little weather and you know the weatherman is the least threatening part of a newscast. They just want you to come on <laughs> and be Mister Friendly. All right, so I, I gotta ask this: so What was the most memorable then weather forecast? Well, I'll tell you the most memorable ones are the few times when it really matters, like we have bad brush fires out here. So okay. when there's something like that, suddenly the weather matters because wind matters and humidity matters and temperature matters because these firefighters are fighting fires on 120 degree temperatures in those suits. Or you get bad flooding from El Nino storms that come out here and ravage the coastline. So those times when, when, when people are really paying attention to what you're saying, are fun because it gets your adrenaline going a little right. bit, you know. Okay. And the other times, back in back in the day, before ten or fifteen years ago, NBC's had the Olympics for many years, like thirty years. Mm -hmm. They would send our whole news team to the Olympics. Well, the hundred people would all go over there, and we do the news for three weeks during the Olympics because the the, the a number of people watching were off the charts. 
So I went to the Olympics in Seoul, Korea. I got to go to the Olympics. Oh, in Atlanta. Cool. It was crazy. It was, uh, those are the, those are the highlights of my career. Those things. Wonderful. Wonderful. So did you ever kind of blend weather and comedy? And if so, how did you kind of figure that out? Well, before, before weather got serious, I mean, now, you know, you've got atmospheric rivers and you got stuff kicking. You, ass, you, know? <laughs> you, you can't tell so, comedy now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, they wanted me to just, especially if it was a day when the weather wasn't significant, just have fun with it, you know, throw a little personality in there. You joke around with the anchor people and have some fun, you know, the Al Roker syndrome. But the thing about doing humor on the news is you have to be very aware of what they're saying before you and what they're going to say after you. So if mm -hmm. they come out of a shooting or something, you've got to be very <laughs> delicate. But you know what I mean? You can't just lay a line out there. Or if you're going into a drive-by at the end of the weather, you have to be very careful about that. So you have to fit yeah. yourself in tastefully into a newscast. But, you know, just Do you know this in advance, though? No, you have to pay oh, attention. Shit. Whoa, okay. You have to pay attention. That's totally on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally on you to not be insensitive accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then it's, it's comedy, folks, and this is the whole thing. How do you feel about that, how, how, how comedy is going nowadays and, and people trying to attack it? You know, oh, oh, you're offending me. But, you know, comedy is supposed yeah. to awaken you through humor. I, yeah. I don't see any yeah. of I've never seen offense in comedy personally because, again, it awakens you through humor. It's just another avenue to maybe yes. make it funny. It's funny. There's nothing off yeah. limits. If you make it funny, it can be raw. But if it's funny, I'm with you. You know, yeah, everybody absolutely. talks about Chappelle and giving him all this heat because we're in such a political correct environment now. But Chappelle is funny. And his yes. if you look, if you step back and allow yourself to look at it, he's got great philosophies about stuff that every, the whole world's worried about. But I people do. just, can't, you know, it's it, the, nothing is off limits if it's funny. But I hate to see somebody that wanders down some path about gay people or trans people. And it's not funny because then you're at the end of the street yeah. all alone. I'm gone. I, I, I know we're I know we're in a period where political correctness is over the top. When Jerry Seinfeld said, I'm no longer doing college campuses because kids on college campuses are too politically correct. And I'm thinking, oh. if they're pissed off at Seinfeld, who's like a glass of milk compared to Dave Chappelle, yeah. we're, we're in a bad place right now. And listen, homie, I'm the father of, of a 22-year-old young lady. And, you know, and it's funny, I speak to my friends that have kids, you know, around the same age, you know, teens and in the early 20s. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, we can't talk like we used to in front. They give us these huff and puffs and looks. I mean, but it's not that we're trying to be funny. It's just, you know, how we grew up, the circumstances, you can't erase the past. We'll try to fucking hide it, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, what's real is real. And that's that. You know, you know, and just getting into that, I want people to see the dopeness of your uh, particular news show that you got out right now oh, on Tubi you. that people could watch for free. I got a trailer. Let me put this baby up on screen. Folks, check this out. If you Listen, Fritz is the man. Within the first, not even five minutes, I was already chuckling. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Fritz is out there. This is my type of comedian, old school. Folks, if you want a good time, this is what you got to see. Check it out. <laughs> Every conversation I have includes a medical update. 
Hey, Bob, how's that new sprinkler system you put in out of the house? That's funny. I just got out of the hospital getting my own new sprinkler system. I used to have drip irrigation. Now I have a rainbird. My best friend since elementary school became a vegan. Could not believe it. This guy became a full-on strict vegan. He only eats vegetables now that volunteer to be eaten. Vegetables that carry donor cards in their wallet. And he invites me to his house for a barbecue. I thought, hmm, a vegan barbecue. I tried to get out of it. I said, you know, I'd like to, but last Thursday, I tested positive for pork. I'm now using a pill caddy for my medication. A little plastic box in case of wheat. I look at this thing and I weep. Up until a year ago, I was using it for fishing tackle. Thank you so much for coming tonight, everybody. You were just awesome. Thank you very much. You were amazing. Thank you so much. That's right. You're hey, let me, let me, first of all, I really appreciate you playing that, Al, but, but I got to explain where that fits into the comedy. You're, you're talking about political correctness. I'm an older man. I'm in my 70s, right? Oh, what? So oh, we what? go. Yeah. Oh, what? yeah. I'm old. Young man, get out of here. You're looking like it, you're in your 50s, anyway. kid. I mean, look so, we, have, we have matching hair. <laughs> and I know you got a fuller one than I do, though. But anyway, we, we thought, you know, my audience people who are older are kind of bypassed by the stand-up comedy realm. I mean, they love comedy, but some of the more raw stuff, you know, like the Chappelle's or the Chris Rocks, who are my heroes. I think they're the greatest guy, guys on the planet yeah. now, but the people in my age group aren't always comfortable with all that stuff all the time with the language. So I thought, you know, what's missing is comedy that sort of plays to this audience, baby boomers and older. So we went to Tubi and we said, we, we, I have a show that's sort of gauged to the older people. I talk about the common experience of getting old, and it's relatively clean. And is there an audience for that? And they said, absolutely. So, I mean, there's oh, so much, nice. so many stand-ups on Netflix, so many on Amazon Prime and Hulu and the others. But this just this seemed to be a hole that they thought would be filled by my special. And so far, we're doing great. Well, listen, and not for nothing, Fritz, uh, you know, my, my, my father, obviously, a very older gentleman. He loves Tubi. So yeah. I'm like, you know, all the folks do dig Tubi very much. So I think it hit the right platform. So tell me about that discovery of Tubi and, and how, you know, and why you kind of chose them to, to pitch. Well, you know, we, 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 this is this is relatively new. We've been on, we've been on, we've been streaming for about, about. What uh, up, hey, X Allen? Hey, <laughs> X Allen. And. Uh, I, I never do these live. This is awesome. You get some feedback for what you're doing. <laughs> but no, we, we pitched everybody. And Tubi is what they call AVOD, Advertiser Supported Video On Demand. Okay. And when you pitch that group, that's that business model, you're also pitching Hulu and Peacock. And what you do oh, is when, when, when you get it up on one, they see how you're performing. Then you get invited to add it to others. So that's what we're hoping. Oh, we'll you know, well, we'll, it's going to happen. Yeah, so, you know, hey, listen, for somebody at my age to have this to look forward to is unbelievable. 
<laughs> and how do you feel though doing this at your age? I mean, how do you keep up the energy, man? Because I'm totally inspired right by you right now. You're in your 70s, you're looking young, you, you're keeping fresh. That comedy special, you have this amazing energy exuding from yourself. Like, how do you keep that up, brother? What's the secret? I, 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 I just having it to look forward to. I have a show tonight and I'm already juiced about it. I, you got I, a show tonight? Look at this yeah, guy, yeah. he's talking to me right now and about a bounce out jogging. He doesn't even drive, folks. He drives to, to the next comedy station. <laughs> well, not quite that bad, but I, I walk briskly to the <laughs> a, a brisk walk, folks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Hex Allen says he misses you on KN. Oh, there we go. Fantastic. Hey, check that out. That's nice. Well, you, have, also- you have listeners all over the place, my friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen, this is what it is. Comic it spreads all over the world, there, you know, to, to talk about and share the experiences of amazing people like you. So, now, how long have you been on the air, Alpha? Can I ask you? So, I've been doing this about since 2016. You know, I was very shy about it at, at, at first because Comic Crusader has existed since 20, 2006. Yeah. So, it, it took someone to join the team to tell me, why are you not doing this? I'm like, because I don't know how. He goes, all right. Give me five minutes. One of those hold my beer type uh, conversations because I absorb things really quickly. I learned in no time. And then I just navigated it myself. And now, you know, myself and my team, I give them the platform as well to, to create this beautiful content. You know, it's a podcast, a vidcast to talk to amazing people. Because I know you also have a podcast and do your do. thing out there, kiddo. So talk about your job. When did you discover podcasting and, you know, and how did you get into the journey? Well, my, my co-host is a woman by the name of Louise Palanker, who had a big history in radio. She started a radio company called Premier Radio Networks. They used to syndicate radio shows. They provided content for small and media market radio stations all over the United States. So she's been in the podcasting world since you could be in the podcasting world. And we've been good friends for like 35 years. And we talk about movies and books and television shows. And we see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff. And so when my contract was up at NBC, I I wasn't allowed to do any external stuff like podcasting with other people before my contract was up. As soon as it was up and I retired, she said, come on, let's do a podcast. And we'll just invite people in to talk about the same stuff we talk about all the time. It's called media path. We talk about movies and books and other podcasts. We'd love to have you on our podcast. You have. Oh, let's news. do it. Let's, let's talk some comments. And, and so now we do it. And, you know, I don't know how many people are listening to it. We're growing every week, but I just do it because mm. I love the conversation. I love talking to people I've never talked to before. And it's just a great part of my life. And now that I'm retired, it's something I really look forward to. So talk to us about the frequency of that drop then so we could tune in as fans. Like, okay, it's called Media Path Podcast. We have our own website at mediapathpodcast.com. We're on Twitter and and TikTok and Instagram, and we're on Apple Podcasts and all these platforms. Wherever you can get your podcast, go to Media Path Podcast. Yesterday, we do them on Tuesdays, and they drop Thursdays. Yesterday, we talked to a guy by the name of Ken Levine, who wrote for five or six of the greatest sitcoms in American history, like MASH, Fraser, Tears. Uh, every, everybody Loves Raymond. Get out. He, was, he was hysterical. I was laughing until I had tears in my eyes. So, And then next week, we might interview a politician or a retired singer. We, we have a whole Whoa. variety of guests and it's it's a yeah you know it's a blast. It's great to get to know somebody you've never met before, particularly somebody you've been a fan of their work, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. fun. 
Well, absolutely. I get it, man. Because, you know, in, in this side of, of the world, for me, in mm -hmm. pop culture and in comics, speaking yeah. to people like Todd McFarlane, for example, you know, the creator of Spawn, you know, Spider-Man artists and all. Absolutely. And, and, and when we finally see each other at a con, he's the one going, hey, Al, how you doing? And people are looking like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> That's great. But I mean, I now, because all this stuff is so big, DC and Marvel, you're in your heyday right now with people's enthusiasm oh, for yes. all that stuff. Uh, that and beyond, because there's also the independent community in an independent comics, Fritz. I don't know if you know anything about independent comics, but it's, not, not that it's, much. it's a new world to be found. Like, you don't need to know history. You'll find new heroes, new stories, you know, new narratives, new everything that 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 just, that you can start fresh if you're like, okay, I don't need to buy 3,000 issues of Superman to, to catch up. You know, yeah. this I'm just starting now. And this is how, you know, from, from the beginning point. It's the golden age of the independent creator of comic books, in my opinion. And, wow. and I think that as a fan, if, if you love pop culture, you might be able to find your hero now. And find something you can start fresh and not worry about history, Fritz. Trust you me. All right. Wow. wow. It's, awesome. It's, it's wonderful. Well, maybe it's wonderful. I'll get you to send me some links to the websites where I can learn about those. I know nothing about the independent comic world. Oh, I'll get I'll get you into some goodies, kiddo. Then 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 you know you're gonna send me hate mail. Al, why am I spending my money on all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> hold on to them. Maybe they'll make like the second edition of Superman's worth ten thousand dollars or something. Uh, hey, bro, ten thousand shit. I think the last one sold for almost a million and change. So you know, it's Spidey's and all that old school stuff. But again, you know, it's, it's just what it is in the business. I wish we could sell old school comedian tapes like that. You know, the, a first edition videotape of the Fritz Coleman debut on stage. And oh man, the, I you know, it'll like, be a wrap. Twenty six dollars for that on eBay. It'd be unbelievable. Okay, they're asking right now. Hex wants to know what who is that painting in the background, or is it a towel? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really dirty towel. Nice observation. Now I don't know who the artist is. I'm one of these people who just goes by their gut. I was in a store and I saw that and I said, That is just beautiful because you can put your own interpretation of it. I don't know what it is, but uh, that's it. I'm glad you like it. And I need a background for my gray hair. Essentially, that's what it is. Oh, you got it matching. It's charcoal with the red and blacks. I see what you're doing there, <laughs> bro. You match it. You're stylist, too. Fritz Coleman is not only a comedian on the weather cast of folks, he's also a stylist. You can reach out to him at. <laughs> I'm a style guru, my friend. Well, Papa, guess You ain't bullshitting, Fritz. All right, my brother. Are you going to be making any appearances anywhere, anytime soon, where people could see you live, you know, hang out, spend some dollars, see you in person? Or, yes. or, or what's the next podcast? What's podcast? Well, I'm doing a lot of I'm, I'm doing a lot of one nighters. You know, I've been around this market for a long time. So every year I get invited to do, you know, fundraising events or dinner speaking. And I'm going to do a I'm going to do a residency, for lack of a better term, at my favorite theater in Southern California to perform at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood awesome, on Lancashire awesome. Boulevard. It's a great theater with great history. It started as a vaudeville theater in the 20s. Then became a movie theater. Now it's a performance space and it's a blast. I'm going to be there once a month forever, I hope, in perpetuity, as long as I can sell tickets. Better than contract to get in contract for an old folks home, you know? Seriously. You know, you might get you know you might get a rotating audience every week. Good point. And you can do stuff and they forget you did it. You can do the same shit. You know what I mean? Like do the same shit every week that they they won't remember. I love this. I love this. So, so you got that. Anything else? And when is the no, next man. podcast dropping? You've been off. You've been awesome. Nah, brother. So every Tuesday we can listen to you on the podcast. Yeah, we, homies, we do it right? Tuesday, and then ours and is like yours. 
our, ours is like yours. It's video as well. Hey. And my co-host is a documentary filmmaker. So she takes the mm -hmm. show and then she post produces it and puts pictures and all that stuff, video support. And then they drop on Thursday. We record them on Wonderful. Tuesday and they drop on Thursday. Awesome. And folks, if, if, if you want to stay tuned, this is what you got to do. You can follow my big man over there. I've been showing this off throughout. So follow him yeah, on Twitter at the Ritz Coleman. All right. And if you want to go to Instagram and Meta, because it's no longer Facebook, we got to get used to that. It's Meta, folks. All right. Yeah, whatever. That Real is. Fritz Coleman. <laughs> and of course, you can visit the amazing website at Fritz Coleman Comedy. Stay tuned. Spend that chat. See this man in person. You won't regret it. Yo, Hex Allen says, great to see you guys. He's new to the channel. Thank you for tuning in, Hex. We're always going to be talking to amazing people over here, like, like Fritz. Thanks, yeah, you guys. What we do. Thanks for watching. All right? So thank you for watching, tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Fritz, thank you so much for your time. It was and awesome. as a fan of comedy, bro, as a fan of comedy, right, I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for, for, for sharing your, your humor, your, 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 your thoughts, you know, your creativity with us as a whole, as a fan. Well, thank you. Truly, thank truly you appreciate you, bro. Thank you for being a fan and supporting it, Al. You're really good at what you do, and I appreciate the chance to talk to your audience. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to finish this special because, you know, you, you interrupted me. I had to talk to you. I was watching <laughs> you. you know, come on. <laughs> How dare right. you? No, I want to play. But with that, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to check out Fritz. The, the links are below. Thank you for checking us out. Make sure to, you know, follow us, turn on notifications. That way you know when we are live with amazing shows, not just for me, but for my extended family, like Johnny Hughes, you know, Freya, you know, No Price Podcast, The Final Crusade, and all that good stuff, right? Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Wepa! Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 